like you were meant for something more, more than whatever you're doing now, because obviously you probably have a wide range of listeners, like I just will say, don't ignore that little voice. I think I see too many women physicians, even male physicians, they just think that they can't really do what they want. Whatever that dream is, right? It doesn't have to be like starting a business or whatever. But I feel like most of us have big dreams. Brings us all together is we all want to help people. That's why I went into medicine. And so I think we all have different versions of what that looks like. And so I just want to encourage people not to ignore that and to listen to it. Hello and hola, friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Hola friends, this is Kate Mangona, your host at Medicine, Marriage, and Money, and we are here with the money coach for women physicians herself, Dr. Bonnie Koo. Dr. Koo is a board-certified dermatologist, certified coach, and founder of Wealthy Mom MD, where she teaches and coaches on personal finance, blogs, hosts her podcasts, and runs the super popular Facebook group. Bonnie is also a loving and supportive fiance and a mother to two sweet boys. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here, Bonnie. I'm so excited. Thanks so much for being here. And we've known each other for like three years, right? When we first met at FinCon, was it like 2017? No, it was 2018 because Jack was born in 2017. Okay, so two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. For the birth of Wealthy Mom MD or maybe at the beginning? Yeah, it was right before I rebranded. Okay. Yeah. And I remember you had a... Chanel and that little Duna thing. <laughs> yes. Yep. She went to the first fin- our first FinCon. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. But right before Melty Mom MD, you were known as Bonnie Koo MD. Miss Bonnie MD. Miss Bonnie MD. Miss Bonnie MD. And it has been so inspiring to watch you grow and expand your business while raising your baby Jack, who's now three and still was and still engaged to your hilarious fiance. So, so we, and we all know you're not, well, a lot of us, whoever knows you and is listening to this knows that you are not married yet. However, I'm always checking my mailbox for your wedding invitation because I am going to be there and I'm still, but we're still interested to know what is your definition of marital interdependence and what does it take to achieve it and maintain it? And in your case, I suppose I will ask what makes a successful engagement and how does it last? Well, what does marital interdependence mean? I've never heard that before. Oh, marital interdependence, like where you're not dependent on anything. You you fulfill your own self. And then so together you can be, you can find more joy in the relationship instead of being dependent on each other. So you're like independent on your own and then together. I love that. I've, I've heard this concept. I don't know if I... I've ever like seen a name for it, but you know, Brooke Castillo talks about this a lot, actually. Okay. Yeah. The idea that, you know, your partner isn't responsible for your happiness, you know, you're, you are, and wouldn't it be great to just bring two people together who can take care of themselves and enjoy spending time together. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. So I mean, it's, it's interesting. So yes, we are engaged. We're not married. Um, Although we are planning to get married. And I think I was going to pick a date, at some point, but then, you know, with the pandemic, can't have a traditional wedding. I was never that girl or woman that grew up envisioning a large wedding. Like that, that's not, that wasn't never a dream of mine. However, I used to be kind of anti-wedding. I'm like, oh, we're just going to elope or we'll just have a dinner party. But I will say that I have warmed up to the idea of a, so, a more formal get together. So I, I'm pretty sure we are going to have a wedding and I have ideas as to where but I'm also open to eloping. Like it's not, I don't really, I'm not attached. So it's not going to be this year, obviously. And maybe 2021, maybe 2022. And interestingly enough, you know, we have taken steps. Like we, you know, I have an engagement ring. We already have our wedding rings bought. I mean, I love your engagement ring. Oh, thank you. But we bought his, we actually bought his wedding ring recently from the same designer who made my ring. Cause so it was kind of custom made for him. And um, I do have a, 
prenup drafted. It's not signed and we haven't gone through iterations, et cetera. But so it's not like we just got engaged and we're like, okay, whatever. You're prepared. You're organizing. We're getting prepared. Yeah. But I will say though, one thing I've learned is when you don't pick a date, there's no urgency. And so I do think it's important that we do choose a date, but obviously COVID has put a pickle into choosing a date because if we just elope, then it might not matter as much, you know, because the hotels are kind of open, but we, we would have to travel to get married at the place that I want to get married. So if we elope, it's going to be at the Four Seasons in Big Island. Okay. It is the best Four Seasons in all of Hawaii, except for maybe Lanai, which I haven't been to. But the Four Seasons Big Island is just a gorgeous property. And if we don't elope, it still might be Hawaii or it might be like wine country. But his first marriage or first wedding, I should say, was in wine country. So maybe we'll do Hawaii. So basically... It's going to be Hawaii or Hawaii. Okay, perfect. And to tell tell our audience a little bit about your, you know, your history with Matt. Like how many years have you been together? Describe the first time you met. Um, did he sweep you off your feet? It's so funny. It's It seems so long ago. I feel like once you have kids, it's like the time just kind of like stands still a little bit, right? Um, but we met. So I actually finished residency in 2015. And so I was 38 when I finished residency. And I... I really was worried that I might be an old single person, which, and there's nothing wrong with that, but like, I really wanted to be with someone and I really wanted to have a family. And I just remember thinking when I finished residency, I literally made it my number one priority to meet someone. Oh, wow. After when I started my job in New York. So like, I actually had dates lined up before I even moved back to New York. (laughs) Wow. Well, that's the, the beauty of online dating. Well, online dating is you can, and I, I think the online, the word online dating is kind of stupid because it's really a meeting service. If you think about it, it's a way to meet people that you wouldn't normally meet outside of your circles. Um, so I joined all the like normal sites at the time. So we actually met on two platforms and there is a little bit of a funny story. I'll tell you in a second, but I'd made it. I basically told myself, I'm going to go on one to two dates a week and then I will inevitably meet someone if I actually do that versus wondering why you're single, but then not going on any dates, right? It doesn't work that way. But I'm sure you, we both know people who keep saying they want to meet someone, but they don't go on dates. So it's kind of strange, right? So I did that for um, six months and we met like after six or seven months. So the first date was very anticlimactic and I'll have to have him tell you the story because he likes to sensationalize it a little bit. Like it was so boring and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And it's so funny because when I talk to a lot of women about, you know, meeting people online, you know, people have a lot of negative things to say about it. And I just say, listen, it's going to probably be awkward the first date because you've never met them before versus if you met someone, you know, through mutual friends or like out and about, whatever, through college work, you have this sort of background of connection before the first date. When you meet someone online, it's like, I just literally say like, unless they were completely weird, creepy or, you know, with something really crazy and bad, they all get a second date. Because the first date is, you know, it's funny, I, I tell everyone, the whole purpose of the first date is, is there going to be a second date? And this is what I tell women. I worked with a dating coach, by the way. So this was this was his method. Oh, you were with a dating coach at this time? I worked with a dating coach, not when I met Matt, but actually when I was in residency. Oh. I love hiring coaches, as you know. But I learned so much. And so this is one of the things I learned because I think a lot of women, they think there's going to be some like magic lightning bolt when you meet the right person. And it just like that only happens in movies. So yeah, the first date was like whatever. The second date was like kind of whatever too, to be honest. But I think, and he says this too, I think we were just both consistent and it just takes time. Like I wasn't in a rush to like, know, oh my God, is he the one? Because like at the end of the day, you know, if you're looking for your partner, it's going to be a lifetime with this person. So like, what's the rush to like, know the answer. So I don't even remember exactly when the lightning happened, but I will tell you. So he actually, we actually ended up going on a trip pretty early on, mainly because we both had time to do it. We're just like, let's go to Sicily. This is like a few months after we started dating. And that's kind of when we said the whole, I love you thing on that trip. So I guess it was that trip that kind of. And how long had it been? Four months. Four months. Okay. Three to four months. Yeah. A decent amount of time when you're when you're at that point in your life, I think. Yeah. So, and then I guess the rest is history. I mean, that was 2016. And then Jack was born October 2017. And so why 
why did you fall in love? What were the reasons? And are they the reasons you're still in love? Oh, well, he's super funny, as you know. And I do think opposites sort of attract. Like, I think we really complement each other well because I'm sort of the more serious person and he's not. I'm the planner. He's not. So I think those kinds of things. Oh, and uh, he would always clean my apartment. Oh, he likes to clean. Yeah. And he loves to do laundry. Wow. Okay. So acts of service. So, oh yeah. So in terms of love languages, mine is definitely quality time. Okay. Yeah. So I think just spend it with just, and also we both love music and he worked in the music industry for a long time. I think you remember that. So we've got a lot of concerts together, things like that. And we both enjoy cooking and we have some, so we had some common interests, some different interests. Um, and I think we had similar values. I think ultimately you have to see if your values lined up, like, you know, does he want a family? Does he even like kids? Like he has a son from his first marriage and he was open to having more things like that. So I see, I remember when I would, you know, before him, when I would go on dates, that didn't work out. Obviously, you know, the guy would say, I don't want more kids. Then my friends would be like, why are you with that guy? If he doesn't want kids, but like we do stuff like that. I don't know why. I think, I think we have this like delusion that we can change people. Exactly. No, we do. Or we're either afraid of commitment, so we're going to stay in the wrong relationship. Okay. And I'm sure a few of our audience members are a little bit curious about your um, fiance status. You did mention that, you know, you have been engaged for a while now. Can you explain why you are still engaged as opposed to married? Yeah. So initially there just wasn't a part of it was uh, financial because of his ex-wife. And I just, I wasn't sure. And I wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to be an issue because I've known enough sort of blended families where there were some issues with, you know, exes. So that's not something I'm worried about right now. Um, and it, but it's still for somewhat financial reasons. I mean, there's really not much benefit right now for us to being married. Like I see the benefit of doing it. There's obviously lots of financial benefits, but then, cause so right now Matt is technically unemployed and Jack is uh, on his tax returns in terms of being a dependent. And so that's not why we, honestly, the reason why we haven't is because we have, I haven't picked a date is really what it comes down to. Okay. But there were other reasons like initially at the beginning. Yeah. I wasn't in a rush and, you know, blended families have sort of more financial considerations. You know, and speaking of that, um, you being the physician breadwinner, what does that mean for you and for Matt and how does that affect your relationship? So we kind of, I'm just trying to think, was it a conscious decision? I don't think it was a initial conscious decision. So what happened was we ended up moving to Philly from New York City because he got an amazing job offer. And it was one of those, he works in an industry where when you get offered certain types of positions, it's like, you know, it's kind of hard to say no, because these can be sort of career building positions. And so, so I was like, okay, I can get a job anywhere as a physician. That's kind of the beauty of being a physician, especially as a dermatologist. And so I was working in academics in New York, and then I moved to a private practice job. But then his job didn't work out. And then I was like, okay, you made us move to Philly. Now it's my turn. And so I was like, let's do locums and just travel around for a while. Because we were, you know, I was like, why not? You know, it's like, we kind of were like seizing the day. And Jack, you know, was young. He's still young, meaning he doesn't have to be in school, et cetera. So we just kind of were like, let's, so I ended up finding a job in Seattle and then uh, Hawaii for three months. So we were three months each. And so the whole like me being the sole breadwinner was never planned. And in fact, it's funny because I remember when I was dating, even before I met him, I, I had these like non-negotiables, right? Like he needs to make, I had a, I had an income threshold and cause living in New York city, like I was like, well, he needs to make at least this much. It was around $200,000. That was my income threshold or at least high one hundreds. And, and so I, I think I was one of those women that was like against being with someone. And that sounds kind of like horrible in retrospect. It's fine. It's what I was, it's just how it was. But now it's like, you know, it's interesting. I, I would never have thought this is what I would want, but I really like it now because I also have the type, we have the type of life now where the way I make money is not location dependent and time dependent. Like I really get to make my hours. And because my number one love language is quality time, and I also like to travel, though we're not traveling now, obviously, is we get to just hang out when we want to hang out. And he doesn't have to ask his boss for like vacation and, you know, things like that. So 
it's worked out really well. I mean, it's not always, you know, roses and unicorns, obviously. But a lot of physicians are envious of that. We're so tied to like a location, a big city or a, or time. Yeah. Like, you know, coordinating like vacation times. I see that, you know, being a big issue. And I mean, so, okay. And you said, so he has been, because of the pandemic, he's been unemployed or and be, also while you were doing your locums, cause you were moving around. Um, so in terms of like the locums and then the pandemic, your changes in your career, like how have these, how have your, your career path changes over the past three to four years affected your engagement or your relationship with him? I think we're just taking things. I don't want to say one day at a time, one quarter at a time. So obviously these are weird times, right? And so we're not making any like crazy plans, but it's interesting, right? Cause the pandemic, I think, in some ways it's, I think it's the best thing that's happened for us just in terms of like forcing us to really think about what we want. Cause I think that's, it's forced a lot of people to really sort of like what's really important to us. And I feel really blessed that we're in a position where we can still make choices. And so I really like the way things are set up right now. And he is looking for something to do. Um, Maybe getting stir crazy with just Jack at home or something. So the childcare is is shared. It's not just him because it was just him originally, and that just wasn't working. Okay. Yeah. So I think like it's so funny, right? Because when you when you think of when I when I see or rather hear what people say about stay at home moms or dads, like it's so strange. I feel like we have these expectations of how they should be spending their time. You know, and it's funny because you know I used to live in New York City, and like I remember like kind of going along with making fun of these like rich stay-at-home moms who would go to yoga and have like they were stay-at-home moms but they had a nanny and I would be like what the hell but now I'm like that's awesome yeah because without the nanny you're like you can barely breathe yeah and I think people think it's they and what I see a lot of not just physician moms but any sort of breadwinning you know woman who has a stay-at-home partner they think they should be like watching the kid and like doing like five jobs. And it's just not, it's not realistic. I don't think any of us would want to do that. So anyway, so he, uh, we actually sent Jack back to daycare very recently, three days a week, just to see how that would go. And surprisingly, I've been okay with it because we've been, we just did it like in the last month. And then two days a week, my mom takes care of him. Oh, that's so special. Yeah. I've had my mom, um, my mom come down here a few times during the pandemic. Well, also because we had like some shifts, we've lost, lost no pair change, nanny changeover, that kind of thing. But I'm sure Jack really appreciates that. Oh yeah. He's obsessed with grandma. And so, yeah. So since we're still kind of in this pandemic and you mentioned, you know, how this has changed, um, giving you more time together, what other changes, you know, we can all say all the negatives, like we're not traveling anymore. We're not, um, going out to see our friends or eating. What are the positives that have happened between you and Matt because of the global pandemic? Well, we still like each other after being, well, it's funny because he was telling me, I guess he heard something on the news that like the divorce rate just skyrocketed over the pandemic. Have you heard this too? I, yeah, no, I've heard a lot of people have been split up. So I think the fact that we still like each other is great. <laughs> no, I love that. That's number one. So we still like hanging out with each other. And uh, we both love being Jack's parents. And I think that's also one of the reasons why we had to send them to daycare for a few days a week or, you know, really get the childcare under control because it's like, you know, it's unless you really love being with them 24 seven, it's, it is tough, especially now that he's three and he's a crazy guy. So just so much energy. Let's talk a little bit about your business and how, and how that evolved. You're known as like the queen of physician finance, you know, in physician circles, how has that affected your relationship with money? Like, and maybe Matt's like, cause he kind of dated you when you were first a dermatologist and then you started getting into, um, this new realm. Uh, how did that evolve? Well, I'll tell you right now that Matt's super bummed. I don't really see patients anymore because he really misses his treatments. Oh yeah. He's like, where's my Botox? Where's my laser? And I actually recently got a laser Botox and filler treatment. I get it all done. And he was like, what about me? And I was like, oh, we have to pay for it now, honey. It's not free anymore. So um, so I started out in academics. 
moved to prior practice, switched to, I feel like I've done like the whole gamut of how you can be a doctor. But you know, I think what's really interesting about that is there are so many ways to practice as a physician. And I feel, I feel like people forget that sometimes. They think there's only one way. I mean, when it comes to patient care, you're somewhat limited, but there's so many more options. So academics, prior practice, locums, even for dermatology, because, you know, our very specialty is different, right? And now I do telederm. And the telederm actually was a job that I procured before the pandemic. A lot of people, I think people probably think it's I'm doing it because of the pandemic, but it's a job I actually got last fall. But I just didn't start it until the pandemic because I was doing locum. So I basically was like, well, I don't have time to do it because I was working full time for both locums positions. So you can just kind of choose when do you want to start it? You just choose. So the telederm isn't a live patient thing. It's store and forward. So it's like people email me pictures. It's an app. So you can think of it as like pictures and history uploaded. And then I write up a recommendation. I can send prescriptions and they can chat with me back and forth. And so this is, you know, one thing that I think if I were to open my practice, like when this is actually what I tell when I coach on business is you always have to think about the client's experience or customer's experience or patient experience. And if you're a physician doing patient visits and you don't have an ability for patients to make appointments online, like, where are you? It's 2020. I'm just, but you know, you have to really think about their experience as the patient from making that appointment, their experience to even making that appointment. So just to give you an example, I had to make a point with my OBGYN, who's actually a good friend of mine. And it was really annoying to make an appointment with her. I called and was on hold forever. Then it was like, oh, this is the wrong number, even though it was the number on Google. And then when I called the other number, no one picked up. And then she was like, oh, let me give you the direct number. No one picked up the direct. I mean, it's like, and I told, I messaged her. I'm like, when, and then she works for a huge, one of the biggest hospitals. I'm like, why aren't you guys online? Like, this is ridiculous. Anyway, just one of my rants. So um, what was your original question now? Oh, my business and how it progressed and money. And, and how it affected Matt and you. Yeah. So so with the pandemic, so I wasn't planning on, you know, doing this business full time. So when I came back from Hawaii, the end of February, this is, you know, before the pandemic, obviously, the loose plan was, okay, I'm going to find a local part time job, like two days a week, which would give us enough money to more than live on while I work in my business, because I was not planning for this business to be the sole source of our income. But then the pandemic happened, and I was interviewing for jobs, I actually had a, at least one interview. And then obviously no one was hiring because all the Durham offices themselves were closed for at least a few months. Right. And so I literally was like, holy cow, what am I going to do? And I think a lot, and you know, I really feel for the physicians who are probably in that same position, if maybe not still now, but one thing I've really learned, and this is where having a coach and being a coach myself has really been a game changer because I think it's really easy to kind of stay. And I don't want to say victim, like blaming them or anything like that, but it's really easy to say, well, I can't make money as a pandemic or because of the pandemic, I can't get a job. And that's, and I realize how true that sounds for everyone, but the stance I take as a coach and how I try to empower my students is, you know, you are a hundred, we like, I'm a hundred percent responsible for money. It's not the job's job to pay me, which is kind of like a paradigm shift because I think we all grow up thinking you have to get a job and that's how you make money, et cetera. And it's like, how can I still make money even though I don't have a job as a dermatologist? Now, obviously I had a business already, but I, it was not in the plans in 2020 to have it be our sole source of income. Like I have not paid, like last year I didn't pay myself from the business. It was all just living off my physician income, which is plenty for us, right? Oh, and all the money you made in the business stayed in the business. Yeah, basically I reinvested it, basically paid for a lot of coaching and business training, et cetera. And then, you know, this year I, I still invest heavily in my business, meaning like, you know, educating, coaching, business programs. I just joined a mastermind, et cetera. But now I also pay myself. And I remember, um, did you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I read it over and over. I feel like it's like kind of a Bible and I've learned something new. And I, I actually read that book when it first came out, which was like 20 years ago. I don't know if you know. Oh, this. wow. Okay. I read it once. I should probably read. I have it on audio books. I should probably read it the again. The audio book is awful. Just so you know. Oh, is it? The narrator. Have you listened with your headphones? Now that you're a podcaster, the guy like breathes heavily. Okay. Yeah. He breathes heavily each time. It's like, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> and it's like, you're just like, oh, I can't listen to this. Anyway, I would buy the book. It's like five bucks now. So I read it when I was in my early 20s, that's now I'm 43. And I picked it up again 
a year ago, and I'll, I'll keep rereading certain times. Anyway, the reason why I bring it up is there's a section where he talks about how you have to really learn how to pay yourself first, which I know a lot of people have heard before, but he kind of went into more detail, like not just pay yourself first because that's the thing you're supposed to do, but he says your number one goal has to be to build wealth, which means you have to pay yourself first so you can invest it. And he says, most people will pay everyone else first and then see what's left to pay them first. So he's like, no, 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 you're going to pay yourself first, even if that means you can't pay some some bills, which I know is kind of like people, most people are like, that's crazy. Like why I do that. But he says, you have to kind of stand in that, like be strong in your conviction that like, that's what you have to, that's what you have to do. And so I literally set up a monthly transfer to pay myself in the business. And I was like, okay, we have to make this happen. So that's kind of what happened with, you know, what happened earlier this year. And so it's been really fun. And what it's interesting, like I used to be someone, I never thought I would be someone who own or ran a business before because being an employee seems really safe, but then you really don't have choices when you're an employee, you have to do whatever your employer does, but that felt safe because that's, we're kind of told that's safe. And my parents, you know, it's like be a doctor and you're, we all have this thing, like become a doctor and you'll be fine. I think this pandemic has showed us, no, we're not going to be fine. But even before the pandemic, things weren't really fine, as you know. But as a business owner, you you have complete control, but that can be scary for people. It's definitely not for everyone. But I think if you're willing and you love the idea of having really complete control and being creative, what's nice is like if something doesn't work, you can do something about it. You don't have to like wait for your employer to fix it. I don't know. I'm not sure if you feel this way too, but... Me, myself, I, I tend to be a little bit go with the flow and I let, if I can't control something at work, I try to just let it roll away. Like that's just kind of my nature. Victor, on the other hand, he's got this like engineer mindset where everything has to be super efficient. And if it's not, like there's a huge problem. Me and Victor talk about a lot of things every day that could be different within like our jobs. And But I think when we focus on that, it, yeah, it gets... um it, yeah, we. It's like you feel trapped because you really can't control all these things. But that's not a good enough answer for him. Usually, does he have an engineering background? Curious. Yeah. I, yes, at Duke. He, that's what his. Um, oh my god, I should probably know. I think was he a biomedical engineer? I forget. I could totally. It makes sense. It's, I totally see that. So now, because you do work more for yourself, and you can set these rules and these boundaries, you pay yourself. First, how does that not like roll into your personal life? Like, do you have certain boundaries you set for yourself in your business so that you can maintain that healthy relationship with Matt and Jack? Oh, well, I follow, I have a schedule. Okay. I basically work kind of traditional nine to five hours. Um, I used to work a lot more, but what I say, and it's kind of a joke, but not really, is I didn't switch from being a dermatologist full time, which was four days a week, by the way, to becoming an entrepreneur to work seven days a week. Like, I mean, one of the reasons why I picked being a dermatologist, besides the fact that it is the best specialty, is we can work four days a week and it's full time. I had to work hard to do that. And it's, I've learned a lot about time management, you know, in the last several months. And I just feel like if you don't learn how to do that, like you're always going to be working or it's always going to be your time won't be your own. But I pretty much have between five and six, I don't work anymore. Ah, oh, okay. See, that's perfect. Because I think a lot of people out there, I mean, I've... Um, and we, we both hang around a lot of physician entrepreneurs and there are f- the fears before they become really entrepreneurs that they're going to lose all this time because they're working and then they're coming home, work, trying to work on their business and they're not going to have time to spend with their family anymore. But, but really that's not been an issue with you. I think in the beginning, if you're still work, cause you know, I started my initial business when I was working full time, full time, four days a week though. Right. And although when I was doing locums, I was working five days a week, that fifth day, man, is a killer. I know it sounds like really dumb because I would tell, I would complain to Matt about it. And he's like, dude, that's like normal. Everyone else works five days a week. I'm like, no, but I don't. I always complain about locums. Anyway, I know it sounds like I'm whining, but I think if you're used to working four days, that fifth day is brutal. But anyway, so I was building a business while I was still, you know, working four days. And I guess I will say that fifth day was my day to work on my business. But I think when you really, love what you're building. It doesn't feel bad when you're working those hours. And I think initially in every, there's always, there, it's definitely like a time to hustle when you're starting a business, but it doesn't have to be a hustle forever. So I think initially there's a, there's a bit of hustle involved, especially if you're working full-time as a physician or whatever they do. Um, but you don't have to spend hours and hours 
you have to spend some time learning. And I see this a lot. I feel like a lot of physicians, I don't know if you feel this way, Kate, they think they could just figure it out. And it's not that they can't. It's just like, you're going to waste so much time if you do that. No, everybody wants to do everything themselves because they're going to save a dollar here and a dollar there. And they want, yeah, they just want to know how everything works because that's how our brain is used to thinking in, in medical school and in training. But yeah, we have, because we are physicians, we have that. That's like our superpower. Pranay um, actually just told me this last night. She's, he's like, I was talking to him about hiring somebody to do my website. And, you know, a lot of people did, they want to do their own websites. And initially, actually, I have been wanting to do my own website for two months now, but it hasn't gotten done because I can't figure out all the technical things. And he's like, your superpower is that you're a physician. You are already making money. So use that to your advantage. Hire somebody, you know, they can build you a website for $500. You know, and somebody else is like, they can build you a website for $50 if you go on Fiverr, you know, but <laughs> Depends on how much you want to spend and how basic you want to be. Yeah, I think that's one thing I think we're really lucky is that we're not trying to scrimp and save and we have enough, you know, padding to pay for certain things like that. I think some other entrepreneurs who don't have a, you know, six figure income coming in from another source of income, you know, they might have to figure out how to do everything their own, but like we really don't have to. And there's certain things it's just not worth your time learning. I totally agree. This is, yeah, this is why after this interview, I'm going to sign up for somebody to, to make my website. And I have, okay. And I also have heard you say before that you, you actually described yourself as an overspender. I'm still an overspender. You're still an overspender. Okay. And what is Matt and how do you guys see eye to eye on that? He's not an overspender at all. So do you know the program you need a budget? Yes. Do you guys use it? I no, I've never used it. Well, Matt makes fun of me because, you know, when I, I look at it like once or twice a week to reconcile transactions and I'll be like, what is this transaction here? And then Matt's like, stop whinabbing me. <laughs> hey, I do the same thing once. I do it once a month though. I only do it once a month. I go through all the credit card bills. I'm like, Victor, what is this iTunes thing you bought for like $12 or like, <laughs> I know it's like, who cares? Right? Yeah, exactly. But it's like, I want to know what's coming in and out. Yeah. And just want to make sure there's no fraud stuff. Right. Yeah. So I'm the overspender. He really isn't. And so there's really no arguing there in terms of there's, if anything, he should be saying, why are you spending so much money? And I, cause I order a lot of things. And the other day he was throwing away all these boxes. He's like, Bonnie, you got to stop with the ordering. Cause he's, he's the one who has to throw the things away. The boxes out. Yeah. I just feel like any, any, any more, that's just so normal because we don't go to the store for anything like diapers, wipes, laundry, detergent. I mean, everything. There's just boxes every day, but yeah, there's just been a, a lot lately because I signed up for a meal service. So they come in these huge boxes and there's a lot of packaging and waste, which, you know, I don't like, but we're, we're trying a new, more plant-based diet. So I, I ordered pu purple carrot. Ah, okay. Now is this a meal service that comes cooked or do you prepare it? You prepare it. Oh, okay. Okay. Because we, yeah, no, I know you've tried, you're starting this plant-based and I'm super interested in it right now. Neither Victor and I really like to cook and we do, um, hire a chef. Yeah. Well, we do a local, yeah, we do have what's called Highland Park kitchen. It's like a local kitchen service where they make you food for an entire week and they deliver it every Tuesday. We get like four huge entrees, a salad, soup, desserts, sides, and it lasts us a week, if not more. Like, um, now that my mom moved out and we have a, a nanny, um, we don't, we can't get through it. So I think we're going to have to like decrease. But the thing is, Bonnie, it's like kind of meat heavy for me. For Victor, it's meat light. For me, it's meat heavy. And so I kind of want to find a more, not all plant-based, but I would think that's kind of, that's what's my diet before I got married. Uh, besides eggs, I did eat a lot of eggs and frozen yogurt, but other than that, I ate vegetables and grains and fruits. You should have Victor watch that documentary. What's it called? Game Changers. Game changers. Is that like Ben? Is that old? No, it's in the last year. It's not like a hundred percent sound. You know, all documentaries are, they obviously all make biased. They're all biased, but I think it's, it's interesting. And I think it might be motivating. It's, and it was actually really developed for men because they, they make, you know, they have these elite athletes who are ripped, et cetera. So. Okay. Well, we'll watch that. So, okay. So, and then back to finance and you and Matt, how is it divided in your in your household, do you do, I mean, you said you look at YNAB twice a week. Do you like pay all the bills, make the investments? I do everything. You do everything. And he's okay with that. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. Is he interested in knowing anything about it or passwords? Nope. Okay. And what happens if you're, you get swept away? We use LastPass for our password protect, password manager. 
So he has all the passwords and then I have spreadsheets and everything, you know, encrypted on a remote drive that he, well, hopefully he knows how to access it, but it has all the information in there. And I, okay. So, I mean, that's great. It works for you. Now we know, we both know that this is not how most households are in terms of finances, or, I mean, you've had a lot of, you have a lot of clients come to you and their husband might not, um, you know, want to do real estate investing or might not want to do invest in themselves, like hire you as a life coach. How do you handle that? How do you talk to these women or give them advice? So it obviously depends on the situation. I mean, so Matt, I should say Matt does the real estate stuff. Oh, okay. So, but I mobilize the money for it. So when he says, the renovation is going to cost $60,000. I have to like tell them, okay, we have the money. Then he'll initiate the wire transfer, et cetera. So like I, I, I mobilize the money, but he, he's handling sort of the real estate stuff. Cause like, that's not something, it's not that I am not interested in it, but it's like, I have enough going on. You know, I make enough decisions with, inside my business and even with the teledrome, et cetera. So it's like at some point, you know, I'm sort of decision fatigued. Right. So I think it just depends on what the issue is. I mean, when people really don't see eye to eye, I'll, I'll do one of two things. I actually, those are the folks I actually recommend they should hire a financial advisor because then the financial advisor serves that like serves as that third party and authority. So it's not like one person nagging at another person. So I think for those situations, they're perfect in that sense. And then I also tell them to focus on common goals because usually the goals are common in terms of the end point. And so try to find the common ground in terms of what your shared goals are. And then kind of understand that you both want the same thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And having that financial uh, planner kind of, yeah, life planner really helps. Right. Cause you're not like saying, do it my way, do it my way, whatever. So now what is the smartest financial decision you've ever made in your life? I could pick. So not like pick so many, but it's like, which one, um, well, honestly, I think the top one, like in terms of like, what's like the one that like affects all the other ones is honestly investing in coaching for myself. Because even though I've been doing sort of money education for a while, I still have work to do in that area in terms of seeing myself as someone who has a lot of money, et cetera. And it's, and it's funny, right? Like I remember, cause I, it's also the way I grew up, you know, I think it's also the way you grew up and what beliefs you grew up around money. And so I grew up sort of lower middle class and which I don't even know what that means, but relative to everybody else around you. Yeah. We definitely were like on the poor, on the poor end. Like, you know, I was never cold. I was never hungry, et cetera. Right. So I know I, it wasn't poverty, but we lived in really small places and my brother and I shared a room in high school. So I think that's, you know, lower middle class, but anyway, but I just remember like when I was younger and then we had friends who had a lot more money because we used to go to church and there were some, you know, the wealthy families at church. And I just remember having this belief that that type of life wasn't available to me. And I still carry that a little bit and I have to really catch myself. And so that's why I really bring up the coaching because it's these beliefs are insidious and they're poisonous to wealth. They really are. And they will color how you look at money and how you even make money. And so that's one of the things, you know, I teach inside my program because it's so important because some people don't even realize that they believe these things. They just think it's the truth about money. And so that's something I'm always working on. I, and I do feel like without the power of coaching, literally, that I would kind of honestly be sort of anxious about money and worried and always be worried that I'd run out of money. Because you can have all the money in the world and still be anxious and stressed about money. It's never, it's never the balance in your bank account that determines whether you feel secure or whether you feel safe or whatever feeling you're trying to achieve. So you know, because the, the goalpost just keeps moving. Cause I remember thinking like, oh, once I become an attending, everything will be fine, but it wasn't even though my income more than quadrupled. Right. It's so like, what's that, what's that about? Lifestyle creep. Well, I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure. There was definitely some lifestyle creep involved, but this also just like, I think you just, you get more money than you're scared. You're going to lose that money. Mm, okay. So you have a fine, did you say you had a money coach, a financial coach? I don't have a, specifically a financial coach, but I always invest in coaching. So like that's changed over time. So I had a one-on-one coach for a while. Now I have a business coach and I do coaching through um, the Life Coach School Scholars Program where you get a coaching call a week, but you don't have your own personal coach, I guess. But I always pay for personal development because to me, and that's what I tell you know other people is that that is like 
your best investment in yourself because the more you invest in your mind, the honestly, the more money you make. I'm kind of skipping some steps along the way, but that's really what happens. That's perfect. That's key. And so is this also what helps your confidence? Because I mean, you, when you, you do like a ton of stuff on social media that you just radiate confidence, your, your lives, your courses, your, everything that you do, you know, as a, as not only as a business owner, but as a doctor, blogger, podcaster, how do you have so much confidence? Is it the life coaching that's help that helps that or? Oh, well, thank you for thinking that. I think just practice anything scary. I remember it's funny because the first time I did a Facebook live, actually I didn't do it because I was like so scared. I couldn't do it. And then, because when I see some of the newer people starting businesses or coaching, I see them posting about how scared they are. And I remember that, but just like, you know, the first time you talk to a patient, we all sucked. Well, most of us sucked, I think. And now we don't even think about it. We just do it. But you know what I mean? So it's like the same thing. It's just practice. And I think, I, I think one thing I've really learned and really have taken on is just letting myself be a beginner if I'm learning something new and knowing that it, it's going to suck and I'll feel horrible sometimes and that I'll still be okay. So I think it's funny. My, my definition of confidence has changed over time because I think I used to think it was how I was perceived. I think that is one part of it, but I think sort of the new definition and, and Brooke Castillo, I think, I use the term self-confidence. It's like knowing that you can, that anything can happen and you'll be okay. And you know, you'll be okay. Cause you have your own back. And so I think that's something I've worked on over time is like knowing that I'm my biggest supporter and that I can handle anything that happens to me. Cause I think when you're in business and you have a public face, like I do and, and you do, you're going to have haters just to give you an example. And actually when you have your first hater, Kate, this is what we say. We say, congratulations. It's a, No, it's, it's a milestone in business. That means you have enough reach that people can now hate you. And so anyway, so just like, you know, dealing with that kind of stuff and just learning how to deal with it and knowing that you can't, you know, re- rely on other people's validation. You have to, it has to come from within, but you already know that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we're all scared when we first start out. You said you were scared, but you just didn't do the first Facebook live. Faked out. You faked out, but then you did the second one. And now you do it without a problem and you probably have haters, but that's okay because you've got yourself first, which is the most important. And then you've definitely got thousands of other women physicians. Well, are there any take-home points or advice or anything else for our listeners today in terms of, I don't know, what you do is dermatology, starting a business, becoming an entrepreneur, or in your engagement, anything else we didn't cover? Well, I think the one piece of advice that's sort of coming up for me is if there, I feel like if you're listening to this and you feel like you were meant for something more more than whatever you're doing now, because obviously you probably have a wide range of listeners. Like I just will say, don't ignore that little voice. I think I see too many women physicians, even male physicians, like they just think that they can't really do what they want, whatever that dream is, right? It doesn't have to be like starting a business or whatever, but I feel like most of us have big dreams. And we, I think what really brings us all together is we all want, we all want to help people. That's why I went into medicine. And so I think we all have different versions of what that looks like. And so I just want to encourage people not to ignore that and to listen to it. Perfect. Listen to it. And where can we find you, Bonnie? So I'm everywhere. Everything is Wealthy Mom MD. So the website, Instagram, Facebook. I don't really hang out on Twitter. I don't really hang out on Instagram either. I'm mostly on Facebook. I have seen you do an Instagram live. Yeah, that's, that's like my new thing. So that's my new fear I'm getting over, actually. Funny you say that. Yeah, because that's a new thing. And so I don't like it. Even though everyone's like, it's just like Facebook. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, I'm not not much on Instagram myself. But okay, so perfect. Wealthy Mom MD. Um, thank you so much for coming on to my show, Bonnie. Thanks so much. It's just super fun. Bonnie Koo has done it again. Okay, so my 
four big take-home points from Dr. Bonnie Q. Number one, as a business owner, always pay yourself first. Be strong. If you're a physician entrepreneur, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad if you don't understand this concept. And I also just want to expand on this a little bit for those of you who are not business owners or not physician entrepreneurs. If you are typically an underspender or frugal, when you get your paycheck, I want to encourage you to pay yourself first. Determine how much money you are comfortable allocating into your fun money account and give yourself permission to spend it on what brings you joy. Now, if you are not an underspender, if you are an overspender, don't take this as an excuse to spend all your money before you pay your bills and make your investments. You know who you are. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're going to determine for yourself. I just wanted to offer that as an extrapolation if you're not a business owner. Pay yourself first. Pay yourself. and You know what? You could actually pay yourself without money. You could pay yourself with praise. You could give yourself compliments. You can fill your bucket with happiness first before you fill somebody else's, which is actually one of the take-home points I try to drive home in every single podcast. Allow yourself to be happy in every situation you encounter. Figure out what you need to do to make that happen and then do it. Number two, as a physician entrepreneur or even just, and I say just, I don't say that lightly. If you're not a physician entrepreneur, even just as a physician without children, with fur children, with human children, know that you don't have to figure it out all yourself. Your superpower as a physician is the ability to hire out help. You don't always have to figure it out yourself. Your superpower is the ability to have people help you figure it out. Okay. And you do this, you do this in the clinics, you do this in the hospital, you do this at work. You have MAs, we have nurses, we have check-in people, intake, outtake, we have social workers. We, we sometimes feel like we're doing it all ourselves, but we're not. So same thing at home. When you get overwhelmed with the laundry, the cooking, organizing the closets, the pantries, figure out what fits in your budget and then figure out who you can hire to help kind of take that overwhelm away because you have control over whether you're going to continue to feel overwhelmed or stop it. And the same thing applies if you're starting a new business as a physician entrepreneur. If you're spending all your time and energy designing your website, managing your social media, editing your podcasts, you will spend less time on what really matters. Growth, contribution, connecting with your clients, your audience, or your patients. Loving. Number three, if you are feeling anxious about money, this has nothing to do with how much money you have in your bank account or in your investment account. Regardless if it's $100, $100,000, or $100 million, whatever it is, you're always going to be hanging out with somebody who has more money than you. Millionaires compare themselves to billionaires. Okay, so they may still have anxiety about the $100 million they have because they don't have a billion. Whatever emotions you have about those numbers are determined by your thoughts, not by the number, okay? So the feelings you have, and these feelings are actually most often or sometimes come from unconscious thoughts. So pay attention to how you feel, name the feeling first, and then figure out why you're feeling that way. It's not the number, there's something else. And if you don't want to feel this way, this becomes more important. Now, if, if you don't mind feeling anxious or stressed out about money, if this is a place you want to live the rest of your life, then it's okay. You can continue. But if not, evaluate your thoughts. Are you letting the numbers to determine your happiness? Or are you taking 100% ownership for your life? Number four, knowing regardless of what happens in your life, if you fail, if you have haters, if you lose money, if you lose friends, if you lose family members, the key to your calm, to your happiness, to your peace is knowing that you will always be okay because you 
will always have your own back. I'm not saying losing, you know, losing things, having haters, failing, losing family members, losing friends will be painful because that's part of the process. However, at the end of the day, at the end of the the week, the month, the year, you will always be there for yourself. Thank you again so much, Dr. Bonnie Koo and all of our lovely listeners out there. It means so much to us and to me for all of your shares uh, and your subscribes and your reviews. I am just, I, oh, I just, I just love it so much. And I love connecting with you for those of you who reach out to me on Facebook Messenger or Instagram Messenger or send me emails. I so appreciate it. And I hope you walk away asking yourself, after listening to this podcast, do I believe I can just figure it all out myself? Am I in a rush to find out answers in my life? So why? Do I feel anxious or stressed out about money? If so, when will this change? How can I make more money or make my money work for me? Do I allow myself to be a beginner when trying new things or adventures? And Am I meant for something more? And that is it, my friends. Please go and spread happiness and joy and love with your loved ones this holiday season. This will be the podcast before Christmas, I believe, right? Coming out on coming out on Monday, the 21st. Yeah. So have a Merry Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas, hopefully you're having a happy Hanukkah. If that is something you are in the middle of celebrating right now, whatever holiday it is you are celebrating, I hope you're able to connect and love with friends and family somehow, some way. If you don't have anybody to be with, let me know and I will let you zoom in to be with my family. I love you guys so much. So much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.